0: What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Boobie Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. you listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening,
1: or it'll be wham with a right hand.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question. With all due respect... This is Sports Power Talk with the latest in sports news. Your Akron
1: Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent
2: State Electric Chicken. In depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. (laughs) Have you ever tried DMT? (laughs) (laughs) And of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the. You know what?
0: (laughs) It's only game. Why you have to be mad?
2: <laughs> Just the same old Browns!
1: You know, bro. Wrong, I think that was textbook top cheese.
2: Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer to the best of the Akron Zips, now it's time for SPT. We are live from the University of Akron, ladies and gentlemen from Northeast Ohio and beyond. This is the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. This is... Sports Power Talk. My name is Jake Murren, of course, your favorite Baker Mayfield supporter hosting today's show. And I'm joined by two great analysts up here at WZIP Sports. First, he is the bracketologist of our station. Sticking with us for a few more shows, it's Jeff Longville. Jake, it is August and I'm freezing right now. It is very cold in the studio, but hey, we, gotta, we just got to work through it today. And second, the man who makes some of the greatest comparisons, it's the always entertaining NFL widow himself, Marcus Anderson.
0: (laughs) I'm just excited for the NFL season. It's coming closer and closer and... Fantasy football is bounce-back season for me. I just missed the playoffs for the first time. I've been doing this for four years.
2: (laughs) All right, man, exciting stuff on the way for the NFL. And we have a lot planned for today's show. But perhaps most important, we have our second edition of Hot Mike to end today's show. The reason I bring it up is because the first edition of it last week went very well. We are rolling along with it, and there are no excuses for anyone to not get involved with today's program all you have to do is go to our twitter at Sports and ask your questions in the comments of our hot mic post that was retweeted yesterday afternoon there's still about an hour and a half to get those last minute questions in for anyone and everyone who wants to get involved other than hot mic we have a lot to get into including the latest browns news including training camp and the team's performance in their first preseason game against the jaguars We'll talk about the MLB at noon as gigantic news about Fernando Tatis Jr. was released on Friday. We'll also talk about the Field of Dreams game, the AL Central, the Kings of the AL Central, and the Guardians, and so much more. But first, we'll kick off today's program by talking about the NBA and the late great NBA legend Bill Russell, who had his number six jersey become the first ever number to be retired league-wide. Players who are currently wearing number six can continue to wear it and players will also wear a commemorative patch on the right shoulder of their jerseys next season, and a shamrock with the number six will be on every court next to the scores table this season as well. You guys are the big basketball guys up here at WZIP Sports, so what do you think of these gestures by the NBA, and are you happy to see the number six be the first retired number league-wide?
1: So, I'm cool with the patch on the jersey and the emblem on the court and all that, but the whole retiring the entire number six from the league as a whole just doesn't really make any sense to me and I don't mean any disrespect towards Bill Russell at all when I say this he's one of the greatest figures in the history of the NBA but the fact of the matter is is Bill Russell was 94 years old he was getting up there and to retire an entire number for the whole league I just feel like there's a better way to go about doing it. Like, when, when Kobe died, and he was, like, I think 40, they didn't retire at the number 24, and his death was way more tragic than Bill Russell's here. And to say, oh, if you're wearing number six right now, you can still wear it. Like, LeBron isn't going to keep wearing number six because that would... I feel like he would take that as him being disrespectful towards Bill Russell if they're retiring the number league-wide. So I'm not a fan of retiring the number six as a whole. I think they could have gone about doing that a better way. Um, It just doesn't make any sense to
2: me. Yeah, the 11-time NBA champ, 5-time MVP, 12-time All-Star, and 11-time All-NBA player, also a civil rights activist. His number is now retired league-wide. Marcus, what do you think?
0: Uh, I think... I agree with Jeff. I know it doesn't seem it seems unfair for everybody else. I mean, they, they might as well do this for Kobe. Like people stop wearing twenty four eight, but also I know, I understand why Major League is doing it for Jackie Bobs and nobody is to wear the great forty two. But I mean, it was one of those nights. Where, like after I heard the news, I decided like I had nothing else to do. Like no, I'm just suck up a documentary of Bill Russell by Sports Century. It was an old documentary, and like. Bill Russell, like, knowing, like, the reason why I say he's well-deserved of this honor is because, like, he was way more than just a great basketball player, a man with more rings than he has fingers. And, like, look at his story. It's such a touching story. It was touching to me. It shows that he was, like, a man that has exemplified uh, bravery, commitment, and uh, resilience better than any other man that has ever lived. He's not only a fi- iconic figure in, like, NBA, or basketball, but all the sports. Uh, one of the greatest professional sports figures of all time, but more than just an athlete. And I suggest like going on YouTube, type in Bill Russell Sports Century documentary, and in case you have nothing else better to do. And it's a great story. It's a very touching story, and it really, really touched on me. A l- it really showed me a lot of what it takes to be a man. Like his story altogether. Like he was a man that didn't take no crap from anybody. He was a uh, Always a man that stayed true to himself and never changed. No matter what, even with the fame, he always remained the same. And this, yeah, but I suggest, like, if you ever bored going YouTube, type in uh, Bill Russell Sports Century, and it's a very great story.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and it, it pains me to do this because I do completely agree with you guys, but last week I got a text from my on arrival up here, Logan Congrove, and he wanted to make last week's Around the Root question should Bill Russell's number six be retired league-wide? And personally, I thought it was a little bit too soon because I thought a lot of people would vote yes because of his recent death. And I just thought most people would think, yeah, let's do it because it was so recent. And I guess we should have rolled along with that because I'm dying to know what everybody else thinks about this because I largely agree with you guys here that I love all these gestures by the NBA, but I think retiring the number league-wide might have been a little bit too much. I'd be fine with it if it just is number six, but what concerns me, and I'll ask you guys this first, does this open up the gates for the greatest players of all time and their numbers to be retired league-wide? You mentioned Kobe, 24, potentially even number eight, or number 23 when LeBron retires, or something happens to Michael Jordan. What do you guys think about that? I think it definitely
1: does open that door, and eventually we're going to get to the point where not only can you not wear certain numbers for certain teams, but like if somebody on the Lakers wanted to wear number six now and that's the biggest rival of the Celtics, they can't because of Bill Russell.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you'll hear stories like even in the MLB, Xander Bogart's his number for the Boston Red Sox is number two because his idol growing up was Derek Jeter. So if it's a case like that, if somebody's idol in the NBA is Bill Russell and they wanted to carry that with them throughout their career by wearing number six, that's not even an option right now. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that, Marcus? Yeah, it
0: will open the doors for someone, and especially it's going to be soon when it's Jim Brown's time for the afterlife, and it's also going and they're most likely going to retire his number. Like, nobody could, nobody could wear 32 anymore because that's a great Jim Brown's number. It's def, yeah, it's definitely going to open the doors, but at the same time, I see what you're saying – it's also gonna throw things out. it's also gonna make things outrageous, like, okay, since he since he's so great and since he's passed away now we gonna retire his number. I, I know it's paying respect. I I know you're paying homage to those late great ones, but like at the same time let's make it fair for yeah. And mm-hmm. maybe the NHL might retire the ninety nine, the great Gretzky, <laughs> the great one. But, yeah, at the same time, let's make it fair for everybody else because you make this seem like, when you do something like that, you make this seem like that nobody else was great. Like, he was the only one. Like, he is all of history. Like, Bill Russell is all of NBA history. Like, Jackie Robson all of MLB history. And let's make it fair.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And talking about number 23 with LeBron and Michael Jordan, do you guys imagine that number in the future will get retired league-wide as well and go in the Raptors just like number six did for Bill Russell?
1: Given what's happening with Bill Russell, I could see it happening, but in my opinion, it shouldn't be. Like, if you want to retire it for the Bulls or the Cavs, like, I get that, but other than that, it shouldn't be retired league-wide. Any thoughts on that, Marcus? Yeah, um... But, yeah, it depends on, like I said,
0: just make it fair, pretty much. But I don't want to make it to where, like, more and more numbers get retired league-wide. Um, just It's good enough for now Just just make it one guy, like one guy yeah. that is, like, the X factor and, like, the common denominator to the entire history of the league, pretty much. And I think Bill Russell is that right guy.
2: Yeah I agree and that's my biggest concern here I just don't want them to overdo it But talking about LeBron James Let's talk about the LA Lakers As new head coach Darvin Ham Plans to run the offense through Anthony Davis LeBron and Ham agree that getting back to the playoffs Is dependent on running the offense through Davis And they also urge for an atmosphere of selflessness Which almost seems like a shot at Russell Westbrook What do we think of the news out of the Lakers meeting?
0: I don't know. That'll be how much Edney um, Davis will be available. I mean, I know for the past few years being with the Lakers, I'm out, honestly truly like Andy, I, I have considered Edney Davis more of an MVP to the team, more than LeBron and more than everybody else because it's just like he has always been like the X factor to the team. He always been the go-to guy. He's always been the man of the hour for the Los Angeles Lakers honestly. And that's that's why LeBron vied the vie LA to get him over here in the first place because and you look at the Lakers history and and you look at all the past championship teams like all all championship teams has always been won by a big man. They always had that big man. Anthony Davis has been that guy for the Lakers and Whenever he's available, the Lakers win pretty much. The Lakers are at their best whenever Andy Davis is on the court, and I see why they want make the offense run through Andy Davis. And and you look at Andy Davis; he's always been such a freak of nature, such a such a guy, possess so many god given abilities, and that makes that makes his teams win, makes his team competitive, keep his team in games all at all times. And I see why, but it depends on how how much availability Anthony Davis
2: has. Yeah, Jeff, I know you're the big LeBron supporter up here. What do you think of the news out of the Lakers meeting? All right, so first of all, LeBron is the MVP of the
1: Lakers, not Anthony Davis. But um, I think it makes sense to run the offense through AD. Uh, Scoring is AD's biggest strength. Facilitating is LeBron's biggest strength. Um, But I do have those injury concerns about Anthony Davis um, and I wonder how that will affect the amount of games he plays and his production. And over the past two years, he's only appeared in 76 games. So if the whole plan is to run the offense through AD, you know, let's say early on, he gets hurt, has to miss some time, then that whole plan is now you can't do it anymore. So then what's the backup plan,
2: you know? Yeah, absolutely. A backup plan is definitely going to be needed for the Lakers if injuries do come up. So last season, the Lakers finished the year 33-49, and 49, which was the 11th team, in the west in terms of next season though guys what do you think the lakers record becomes and what seed do they get in the west next year
1: so for me this is really difficult to predict um given the less than desirable roster and the health concerns of anthony davis um i think lebron will be fine i think he's going to do a lot better job of taking care of his body this offseason but i can't say the same for anthony davis And I know that LeBron, AD, and Russ vowed to, quote-unquote, make it work this year. But I can only trust LeBron to do what I think is right. I don't trust AD to be healthy. I don't trust that Westbrook won't turn the ball over 14 times a game or make all these bad decisions like he did last year. Um, If everything goes well in a perfect world, i say like 50-ish games. But if not, I think they could go somewhere around 500. I'm predicting
0: a, f- a fourth or fifth seed for the Los Angeles Lakers because they're definitely going to be a playoff team. Because at the same time, if you look at Darvin Ham's uh, basketball resume, he's a champion both as a player and as a coach. Assistant coach uh, was a part of that um, 2004 Pistons championship team as a player, and also been. After that, been around a lot of winning basketball as an assistant coach and was with the Lakers during those years with Kobe, Two thousand eleven, two thousand thirteen, 2013 He was with the, helped out the Hawks become playoff contenders during the years of Josh Smith. Even helped them get to the Eastern Conference Finals back in 2015. And also of course, his resume, you know about him with the Bucks. Helped him become one of the most elite te- one of the elite teams in, in the league and Pretty much, he's been around winning basketball. He'll bring that over to the Lakers and bring it back to the top, bring it back to the elite club of basketball teams.
1: Mm, I uh, I agree with Marcus. I'm excited to see what Darvin Ham has to do. Um, as far as seedings, I do think they'll be a playoff team. I don't think LeBron will miss the playoffs two years in a row. If all goes well, I got him as a top-four seed. If not, I have him as the eighth seed.
2: Yeah, I actually have them in the eighth seed next year. If their core three players stay healthy – I could see them winning 10 more games than last season, which would make them 43 and 39, which last season would have put them at that eight seed. So that's where I have them going for next season. In terms of the Western Conference itself, though, who is your guys' favorite to win the West next season? Golden State Warriors. They have the roster. They have the coach. They
1: have momentum heading into this year. I can't see it being anybody else.
2: All right, makes sense. Anything for
1: me on that front, Marcus? I do want to say
0: Warriors repeat, but it's just that like, as of right now, ever since I would go Bear trade, the Timberwolves has been my team to watch for this coming season, like around the league. this <laughs> regard.
2: But Interesting. Yeah. I have the Suns here. They won the West last year and were a single game back from winning it two seasons ago. They have one of the best coaches in the league. Yes, the coach of the year last year, Jeff. I know you don't agree with that, but he was the coach of the year last year. They brought back the pieces they need to compete, and they could potentially make a huge trade this offseason yet to come. So, so have the sons.
1: real quick, when you say win the West, are you talking the regular season
2: or make it to the finals? Just the regular season, winning okay. the Western Conference itself. West. You okay. still sticking with the Warriors? Yes. Let's transition to the Eastern Conference and let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets. As Kevin Durant gave the Nets an ultimatum, KD sat down with the Nets owner, Joe Sy, and said that it's either him or GM, Sean Marks, and head coach, Steve Nash. Sy tweeted, "Quotes: our front office and coaching staff have my support. We will make decisions in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets. End quotes. What are your guys' thoughts on KD's ultimatum?
1: I think that he said this knowing that Josiah will not get rid of both Sean Marks and Steve Nash. I think he did it to further secure a trade being carried out by the Nets. Uh, Kevin Durant, he saw James Harden leave Brooklyn. He knows that Kyrie wants to leave after this year at the absolute latest. He's seen the franchise be surrounded by nothing but chaos since he's been there. I think he wants out in the worst possible way.
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Marcus, any thoughts? I mean, just that,
0: that book in that uh, locker room, it just felt like a. a to see Naz, it had to feel like preschool to him. A like, a
2: fiery,
0: maybe. <laughs> it had to feel like preschool. <laughs> he's dealing with a bunch of terrible toddlers. I mean, and James Horn and Kevin Durant and <laughs> Kyrie. I mean, he's dealing with guys that don't know how to come together as a team, pretty much. And I know that had to be hard for him. And I get KD. I mean, he, he's been a great player has been one of my favorite players to watch over the years. But I see more and more how much of a bad teammate he is as well as Westbrook. But still, I mean, I don't know where else KD would, would want to go. I don't know who would want KD at this moment. I mean, if it's just for wins, if it's just to get him to a championship. But at the same time, KD has been going through a lot of injuries over the past few seasons, past few years. And he is getting old. He's probably like... Um, 35 going on 36, right? Or something like that. Mm. So you got to take that in mind as well and... I don't know how it's going to go. I'm I'm just going to sit back and get my popcorn ready, pretty much. <laughs> yeah,
2: ultimatums never end well in relationships, so I definitely expect a breakup to happen between the Nets and Kevin Durant. And Kyrie Irving reportedly doesn't feel the same way about Brooklyn's staff members. Kyrie's camp is trying to get rid of the notion that he doesn't like Marx or Nash in a statement that said, "Quotes that's not a part of his being nor how he represents himself in the world. He's about peace, love, and acceptance, and quote. It sounds like Kyrie will likely play next year for the Nets. So with that, let's predict the Nets' record like we did for the Lakers and their seed in the East next season, assuming KD is gone. Jeff, I'll go to you first.
1: Um, assuming KD leaves, I have the Nets winning either somewhere in the high 30s or the low 40s. Um, Kyrie has never been able to carry a team to success when he's been the lone superstar and I consider him the lone superstar because I don't know how Ben Simmons is going to play after everything he's been through. Um, but then again, last time Kyrie was in this position, it was very early in his career. But I still don't think he'll be—I don't think he'll be playing that hard or caring that much because I think he's leaving after this year. So he's like, "Yeah, I'm just here because I got that thirty-six and a half million dollars. So I will do my thing, but I won't really care about where this team ends up this year." On the range
0: of 31 to 35 wins, and they're going to slip out the playoffs uh, sell for a lottery pick. And, yeah, but I agree with Jeff. Uh, Kyrie never had what it took to really carry a team or put his team on his back. I mean, he's an entertaining player, one of the most exciting players in the league for a long time. But it's just how distorted that team is, how distorted that whole organization is, and they're going to struggle and they're going to miss the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Last year, they finished 44 and 38, which was good for the seventh seed in the East. Next season, without KD, obviously, Ben Simmons is a huge question mark for the Nets. I had them finishing 40 and 42, so losing four more games, which last <coughs> season would put them in 11th in the East. So I could see anywhere from that range next season for the Nets. But who is your guys' favorite to win the East next season? Marcus, I'll actually give it to you first this time. Uh, I'll say the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis Antetokounmpo? Yes. All right, I like the pick. <laughs> Jeff, go ahead.
1: Uh, so, obviously, it depends a lot on where Kevin Durant goes, but for right now, I'm also going to roll with the Bucks. they got the best player in the NBA and two other great stars, a solid supporting cast, and championship experience.
2: All right, makes sense. I'm actually going to go with the Philadelphia 76ers here. Embiid should have won the MVP last season. No. And they, he, yes, he should no. have won. Oh, man. There's so many people up here at the station that agree with me on that point. And, of course, I'm on with two people that don't. (laughs) But, yes, he should have won the MVP last season. And with a second full season with James Harden, they should be primed to win the East. Still have guys like Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, and P.J. Tucker on their roster as well. I'm really high on the 76ers going into next year. But a segment that I'm looking forward to to wrap up the NBA part of today's show is each of us are going to pick three different things for next season. So we have three sleeper teams, three pretenders, and three legit contenders. Let's start off with sleeper teams. Jeff, I'll go to you first. Give me one of your two or one of your three sleeper teams.
1: Uh, So the first one I have is the Toronto Raptors. Initially, I didn't think they could be a playoff team this year. But with everything that's happening with Brooklyn right now, I think that they will take their place. And given how the Raptors overachieved last year, being the five seed, I think they can make some noise in the East this year. Okay. So, so one of my sleeper
0: teams is the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, if you see, if you look at them on paper, they're one of the top five most talented teams. I'm top top ten most talented teams in all the NBA. I mean, with them getting CJ McCollum. And also with their front court and with Zion Williamson coming back. And for them to, like, come out with two games against the Phoenix Suns, I mean, you can see there's big things, a big future with this young team. And they're, they're probably, like, the youngest team along with the T-Wolves in the NBA. So I expect a lot of big things come out of this group.
2: Yeah, I have the Bulls as my first sleeper team. There were six in the East last season when Levine was injured. If he stays healthy, they still have the top roster in the NBA with Lonzo Ball, Andre Drummond, Nikola Vucevic, DeMar DeRozan, and Kobe White. So I'm high on the Bulls next season as well. Give me your second sleeper team. Go ahead, Jeff.
1: So my second team, I don't have them making the playoffs, but I think they can be a planned team this year, is the Detroit Pistons. Um, they're going to be, I think, better than a lot of people think. Uh, they got a lot of young talent. They just drafted Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran and they have a good coach. So I'm expecting them to <clears> put themselves on the map this year.
0: All right. Makes sense. Oh, um, My second is the Toronto Raptors, and I don't care what anybody else say, like Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse, to me, is the best head coach in the NBA right now. I mean, for him to carry this squad, I mean, to do more with less pretty much, and with scotty barnes uh, sophomore season hopefully there's not a sophomore slump with this guy i mean he has a lot of potential and for him for nick nurse to carry the squad with like not much talent at all and also go through a tough series with the 76ers and i give him a lot of prompts and they could do a lot more
2: okay my second sleeper team is the Hawks, Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, John Collins, Clint Capella. Enough said they have the roster in the East to go really far this season. The third sleeper team, Marcus, I'll go to you first. Oh, third sleeper team,
0: I'll say is, um, yeah, the Detroit Pistons. A very young squad as well. Uh, Ivy, Kate Cunningham, obviously the man of the future in Detroit. And I'll say they'll get close to a playoff spot, like Right outside the window, looking in, like like ninth C uh, finished with a winning record, like around forty two or forty. Because last year they showed that they could compete, and no matter how bad they seems, but they showed that they could compete even with the best in the NBA. And
1: yeah, all right, Jeff, go ahead. Uh, so my last one is the Sacramento Kings. Um, again, don't think they're a playoff team, but I think they can be a playing team. They also have a lot of young talent. They'll have Demonte Sabonis for a full year this year. They drafted Keegan Murray, who won the Summer League MVP, and they just got Mike Brown as a head coach. So I'm expecting them to impress some people this year.
2: So I have the Timberwolves as my third sleeper team. I know they're not really much of a sleeper per se, but I think the Timberwolves could go as far as the Western Conference Finals this season. So that's why I have them as a sleeper because I'm that high on Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert, (laughs) D'Angelo Russell, and Carl Anthony Towns all on the same team. I think they're going to be really good in the West next year. But let's move on and talk about our three pretenders. (laughs) I'll actually go first because it was interesting when you mentioned the Raptors, Marcus, because I have the Raptors as a pretender going into next year. Of course, they finished fifth in the East last year, and of course, they have Nick Nurse, but I'm just not impressed with their roster. Even if they make the playoffs, I don't expect them to do much, so I have the Raptors as my first pretender. Marcus, who is yours? All right. It's about time for you
0: to do what I do. What I did. Give up on the 76ers. What?
2: It's about time for you to
0: give up on <laughs> oh, the 76ers. My that makes because no sense. it's been for the past two seasons. I've been them since first hiring Doc Rivers and then the following season gets James Harden. I expect them to do more. I really expect them to take Philly to the promised lands, win the city as first title, its first championship since 1983. And they just fails me. First losing in the second round to Atlanta Hawks, going to seven games, which I thought they should have steamrolled through that, through that whole series and go on, go on to win the finals. Mm-hmm. And then the next season, they get James Harden in the midseason, right? And I thought, okay, this is definitely a year. This is definitely the year Philly does it. Philly does it for the first time since 1983, since Dr. J. Dr. J would be proud, make him proud, but fail me again. <laughs> I don't know I don't know what to expect next. I'm not expecting anything more. I'm not expecting anything else from this squad, so I just completely give up on Philly.
2: The team I have to win the East is one of Marcus's pretenders. <laughs> I can't believe that, but Jeff, go ahead with one of your pretenders.
1: Um so real quick, the Sixers are not one of mine, but I don't like the Sixers, so I like it, Marcus. I rock with it. Um another one of your um well the team you have winning the West, Jake, is one of my pretenders now. The Phoenix Suns. Um, They've had great regular season records the past two years. But in 2021, I think they benefited from injured teams in the playoffs. And last year, they lost in the semifinals. They just haven't proved much to me in the playoffs so far. So I have the Suns as one of my pretenders.
2: Very interesting. And my second pretender is one of your favorite teams. I have the Mavericks here. No, you can't do that to me, Jake. All they did was add Christian Wood, which I don't think is enough for Luka and the Mavs to compete in the West. So I have the Mavericks as my second pretender. Go ahead, Jeff. Who's your second?
1: Heat culture. Heat culture. Oh, yes. (laughs) I love
2: it. So. Good pick. Good pick. The
1: Heat have had trouble with consistency um for a couple years now 2014 made the finals 2015 missed the playoffs 2016 were a three seed lost in the semifinals 2017 missed the playoffs 2018 six seed lost in the first round 2019 missed the playoffs 2020 made the finals as a five seed so that's good 2021 six seed swept in the first round 2022 one seed in the east and lost in the eastern finals So I think that they're due for a disappointing year this year, as they just haven't been able to be consistent.
2: All right, Marcus, who's your second pretender? Oh, My second
1: pretender is the Utah
0: Jazz. I mean, with Rudy Gobert going, maybe Donovan Mitchell might be next on his way out. And for the past few years, they've been one of the most disappointing teams in the league. And I see they might miss the playoffs for the first time. And, like, it's been so long. I don't know how long ago it was, but they're going to miss the playoffs.
2: All right, my third pretender is the Hornets. They didn't do anything special this offseason. I think LaMelo Ball and company fall from the 10th seed in the East that they were last season. Uh, give me your last pretender, Jeff.
1: I also have the Utah Jazz. Um, they traded away three-time defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert. They lost Quinn Snyder. They have an aging <clears throat> roster, and I think they missed the playoffs entirely this year. Okay,
0: Marcus. My third sleep, my third pretender is the Devon Nuggets. It's about time for Nikola uh, Jokic to... Uh, the request a trade and go somewhere else better where he can win he can actually win and jamal murray kind of overrated better postseason player than the regular season player so yeah the denver nuggets are my third <laughs> pretender makes me very sad alex henry
2: doesn't like that at all <laughs> it's talk like about some contenders though i'm assuming the nuggets might be one of your contenders jeff
1: yeah they are um Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. should be back this year for the Nuggets. Takes a lot of pressure off of Nikola Jokic, who has pretty much carried that team all on his own these past two postseasons. They acquired KCP, Bruce Brown, Ish Smith, and also drafted Christian Brown this year. Um, so I think that giving Jokic some more help, they should finally be able to be a contender this year. All right, Marcus. Forgot to mention, second year in a
0: row, they left, they got the exit playoffs on a sweep. And also, it was, my it was five <laughs> games, and it was just Yoki oh yeah, on his I forgot, own. I forgot, but anyways, it's still bad. But anyways, my <laughs> my legit contender is the uh, like I said before, the Minnesota Timberwolves, that Rudy Gobert pairing with Big Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, and then also one of the rising stories in the league, Ebony Edwards. This team is on the rise. T Wolves, watch out.
2: So no secret here. I have the 76ers as my first legit contender. I talked about it. I think they're going to win the East next year. And then my second contender is the Warriors. I'm assuming you guys have the Warriors as well on your list. Unfortunately, but God, yes. The Warriors, um, do you have the Warriors yeah. as well, Marcus? Yes, definitely. All right, third contender. Jeff, go ahead.
1: My third are the Milwaukee Bucks. They have the roster. Best player in the NBA. They have experience. And I think they would have won it all last year if Chris Middleton had stayed healthy in the postseason.
2: Okay, third contender Marcus.
0: My third contender is either between this, either between the Celtics or the Grizzlies. I mean, two young talented squads, They they, they did a lot more than what people expected of them. And I see either of those two meeting in the finals, maybe, but between the Celtics and the Grizzlies.
2: Alright, my third contender is the Phoenix Suns. I expect them to win the West. They have a great roster and could potentially be in the mix for KD still. We'll see what happens there. But that was a pretty fun list we just had there and the fun will continue when we return from break as we transition to the NFL and talk about our very own Cleveland Browns. Not only their performance in training camp, but their performance against the Jaguars in their first preseason game. All that in more coming up on sports power talk hello again everyone we are back with the best sports talk show this side of lake erie i'm your host my name is jake murren i am joined by jeff longville how's it going and the NBA widow now, Marcus Anderson. Back at it. <laughs> Just the divorcee of all teams in professional sports, Marcus Anderson. It's great to have you as well as Jeff Longville with me in this very cold studio on a very nice evening outside. So hopefully we're enjoying the weather. Evening. But let's, well, 11.37 right. a.m. You're right. Mm-hmm. you're right. This very nice day outside, I should say. Um, but let's talk about the Browns before we get into their preseason game with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's talk about some other news and perhaps the most important news is that they may be interested in jimmy g if Watson's suspension increases from six games cleveland.com reported the browns quote will consider trading for garoppolo if the suspension is increased what are you guys thoughts on the Browns potentially going out there and getting Jimmy G. So I think it makes a lot of
1: sense if the Browns want to make a run this year. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo has experience in big games. He's led teams to winning records, even a Super Bowl appearance, and I think is better than any other option they have on their roster besides Deshaun Watson, obviously. But I want to throw this idea out here for you, Jake. Would it be such a bad thing if, with with Deshaun Watson's suspension and all that? Would it be such a bad thing if the Browns started playing
2: for next year no and i'll get into that a little bit with my take mm-hmm. but no i actually agree with that take mm-hmm. that it would not it would be almost a good thing for the browns to play for the following year and kind of treat this as a throwaway season and i know that's tough for not only the organization but the fans to swallow but we kind of put ourselves in that situation with getting Deshaun sean watson in the first place mm-hmm. so Marcus, any thoughts on us going after Jimmy G, potentially?
0: Right, it may sound like a crazy idea, but it's actually a gr- it's actually a great idea for the Browns. I mean, he's a better game manager. I think all Kevin Stefanski needed all this time was just a game manager, someone who just take care of the ball, don't screw up, don't make any mistakes, and just hand the ball off to both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Just let your best rush, you have the best attack attacking all the pro football. Just let, just ride on them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think he's just a slight upgrade over Baker, and I understand why people like Dan Groen up here and others want him. That way we aren't wasting the prime years of some of our players, but what are we accomplishing with Jimmy G? Like, What are we realistically accomplishing with Jimmy G on the Browns? The Browns threw all their marbles at <clears throat> Sean Watson and have to live with the consequences, even if that means he's out for the entire year. While it might take a second or third-round pick to acquire Jimmy G, I would prefer to hold on to those picks when we don't have a first-round pick for the foreseeable future. Plus, being competitive this year means nothing for the Browns if Deshaun Watson isn't playing, because I don't think Jimmy G makes us a Super Bowl contender, and it's not like the guys on our team won't be just as good the following season. Sure, like I said, it'll be tough watching the Browns seemingly play a throwaway year and playing for the following year, but like I said multiple times, time and time again, when it comes to Deshaun Watson, the Browns did this to Themselves. If you guys have anything for me else on Jimmy G, if not, we can move on to Jakeem Grant. I
0: mean, if you look at it this way, I mean, Kevin Stefanski's offense is quite similar to Kyle Shanahan's offense. I mean, it's, it's a run-oriented offense, just like Kyle Shanahan's system. And it's the same kind of offense that Kyle Shanahan's dad won two Super Bowls with the Broncos for. It's also, I mean, zone, zone offenses, zone offense. I mean, it's pretty much run oriented. A conservative pass a game As a pass a game that kills you when you're sleeping, a pass a game that will catch you when you're sleeping. And that's the same. If Jimmy G is to go to the Browns, it's the same kind of offense he's been running for the 49ers for the past few years. So it's pretty much just going to be copy and paste for him.
2: Well, do you think the Browns are Super Bowl contenders with Jimmy G? Oh, absolutely. Really? I don't See, I don't think so. Jeff, what do you think?
1: I would say playoff contenders. I wouldn't go as far as say Super Bowl. Right,
2: and I I agree with that. I think they're playoff contenders. I don't think they make the Super Bowl. And to me, what's the point of just making the playoffs this season when, like I said, we put all our marbles in on the Deshaun Watson um, case, and that's kind of our future. So why would we spend one year with Jimmy G, make the playoffs, get really nothing out of it, and then go into next year? I guess you get some playoff experience and some of our younger players. But to me, the move just doesn't make all that much sense. Let's talk about JaKeem Grant, though. Some terrible news out of Browns training camp. He did tear his Achilles on Tuesday in practice. So should the Browns target a, another kick <clears throat> returner slash punt returner for that role this upcoming season?
1: I say yes, because if you have a good kick returner, you can create um, some shorter fields for the offense, and that can come especially... That can come in handy, especially with Deshaun Watson out. I mean, Absolutely. you could do
0: that. I mean, this showing that the Browns are in a time where desperate times call for desperate measures, but you also got other guys on your roster with decent kick return ability, like uh, put Donovan Peoples Jones back there, or maybe put Ernest Johnson back there, and just try out your other guys that you already have, pretty much.
2: Yeah, I think Demetric Felton could serve that role as well. I was kind of surprised that he wasn't taking reps in that position against the Jaguars in our first preseason game. Instead, it was Jamarcus Bradley filling that role who did not look impressive. So we'll see what they do in terms of the kick return and punt return man this season. Unfortunate that Jakeem Grant won't be able to fill that role this season. A player we did fill a role for is Chris Odom, the 2022 USFL Defensive Player of the Year. I know we're a little bit late to this signing, but I still wanted to talk about it. He won the award with the Houston Gamblers, where in 10 games played in the USFL, he recorded 41 tackles, 12.5 sacks, and 6 forced fumbles. Odom also recorded a sack with the Browns in the first preseason game against Jacksonville. So what are your guys' thoughts on signing the USFL Defensive Player of the Year last season?
1: I think it's a good move. Um, he actually made his NFL debut back in 2017 with the Green Bay Packers, was the only player in the USFL last year to have double-digit double digit sacks, and like you said, had a sack versus Jacksonville in preseason.
0: It could add to the rotation on on the on the front line with um, Javion Clowney and Miles Garrett. Um, it could make the defense a lot more better and a lot more spark to the defense.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of this signing. And another guy that we have to decide what to do about is Kareem Hunt. Of course, he requested the trade from the Browns. The trade was denied. What do you guys think we should do with Kareem Hunt? I say that you do flip him because, I mean, you
1: drafted Jerome Ford, who played pretty well in preseason, and you have a guy who doesn't want to be there and... With the whole Baker situation, you ended up getting less than what you could have gotten for him if you'd moved him earlier. So I say you do move him. I don't think you move him for another running back, though, because you have a lot of depth there. Maybe you flip him for a D-tackle or a linebacker. Maybe Roquan Smith of the Bears. I think Hunt could pair nicely with David Montgomery. Or maybe try to get a center if the Browns aren't comfortable with Ethan Pokich after um, Nick Harris went down in preseason.
2: Yeah, I like both of those ideas a lot. Marcus, what do you think about Kareem Hunt?
1: Uh, I could say they could try to make something
0: happen. I mean, even though it's, pos- it's impossible really after all they have done in the pre- in the offseason, try to give Kareem Hunt a deal. At the same time, I think players are just being too greedy, but I would say like, me- like put him on the market see what you could get for him. But at the same time, yeah. that's the most likely choice they're going to end up make having to make is, like, put him on the market.
2: Yeah. Look, I mean, we have guys like Dearness Johnson, Jerome Ford, and Demetrik Felton who can handle the backfield when Nick Chubb needs a breather. Sure, the one-two punch of Hunt and Chubb has been great, but Chubb is viable on his own. And if Watson plays whenever Watson plays, I think we could expect a more balanced approach on the offensive side of the ball rather than a run-heavy offense like we had under Baker. So I don't think the run game is going to be as essential in the future under Deshaun Watson, so I don't think we need that one-two punch of Chubb and Hunts. Plus, we have guys in the backfield who can easily take that role. I think Dearness Johnson could be a starting running back on other teams himself. But let's talk about some breakout players. Before we get to the Jacksonville Jaguars game in the preseason, I want two picks from both of you. For Browns players that we expect to have breakout years, Marcus, I want to hear from you first.
0: Oh, first of all, I want to, I want to say obviously um, Jeremiah Awusu koromora I mean, I believe like. A decent rookie season, um, more than a decent rookie season, a solid rookie season. I believe pro football focus gave him an overall grade of like 89 or 91, which is amazing for a rookie linebacker. And also my second breakout player for this year for the Browns is Craig Newsom, the II. And I believe uh, him and Denzel Ward could have the potential to be one of the, one of the best shutdown
2: cornerback duels in all of the league this year. Both rookies we drafted last year. I don't hate those picks. Jeff, go ahead.
1: Um, I also have Greg Newsome. He'll be going into his second year, and I think he's going to take that next step this year and possibly create his first turnover this year. Um, My second one is Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's going to have more responsibility heading into this year. He can take the top off of the opposing defense, and I think he could potentially end up being the second option behind Amari Cooper as far as receivers go.
2: Yeah, hopefully Greg Newsome does pick up that first turnover this season. And I almost picked Audubon Peoples-Jones, but I didn't want to because he was one of those guys last season during training camp who was supposed to have that breakout year. Of course, we all know how last season for the Browns turned out. In terms of my breakout players, though, I agree with Marcus here for Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, JOK. Before his injury in 14 games played with the Browns last season, he had two forced fumbles, 76 tackles, and four QB hits as a rookie. I expect him to be just athletic this season with more experience and a better defense surrounding him. He should be electric this upcoming year. In terms of my other breakout player, I have David Bell, the guy we just drafted this year with the 99th overall pick in the draft. He has great hands, unlike Anthony Schwartz, who we'll talk about in a little bit. And he has such great size and strength for the wide receiver position. <coughs> Bill has reportedly looked great in camp as well, and he should be a solid wide receiver three behind Cooper and Peoples-Jones. I expect big things from these two men this year. And let's talk about that first preseason game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And let's just talk about the first quarter, the ugly, ugly quarter for the Cleveland Browns. We did end up winning the game, but let's break it down drive by drive. So the Browns' first drive, first play, Watson overthrows a receiver. The second play, Watson throws an okay pass that was dropped by Anthony Schwartz. And in this play, center Nick Harris went down with a right knee injury that will likely require surgery. So we wish the best to him, but he is going to be out for the entire season. So before we talk about the rest of the drive, what do you guys think the Browns should do at center?
1: Um. Maybe they could end up bringing back J.C. Treader, still a free agent, if they're not comfortable with Ethan Pokic. Um, I I don't think that's a bad idea.
0: Yeah, that'll be the best choice right now. Bring back J.C. Treader, pretty much.
2: Yeah, I really want to get J.C. Treader on the phone right now. Please call him and get him back in Cleveland. We need a center right now, and without Nick Harris, we are definitely vulnerable at that position. And Going back to that first drive, the third play was a run with Dearness Johnson on third and 10 that went absolutely nowhere, so a quick three and outs on the Browns' first drive with Sean Watson. The second drive was even worse, as the first play, Dearness Johnson ran for no yards, and the second play, the Jaguars recovered a Dearness Johnson fumble. The Browns' third drive, not much better. The first play was a five-yard run that was called back. Second play, Deshaun Watson hits Njoku for a check-down pass of about seven yards. The third play, the Browns charged with a false start, and Anthony Schwartz dropped the pass, and Jedrick Wills was charged with the holding penalty. And can we just talk about Anthony Schwartz for a while? What is wrong with, like, he's so good and versatile in terms of his speed, but he just can't catch the ball?
1: Um... I know you wanted to talk about Anthony Schwartz um, on his own, but I just wanted to point out that it seemed like the whole first team was just out of sync. You mentioned Schwartz dropping passes. Um, Deshaun Watson went one for five for seven yards in his three drives. Um, All the penalties on the offensive line, um, the fumble by Dearness Johnson, the whole first team just seemed out of sync. And I know it's preseason. This is where you get all those little issues out of the way, but really not a good look for the first team.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Marcus. What do you think of Anthony Schwartz?
0: Um, I mean, that's how speed guys are. But besides that, um, I'm learning not to get hyped or get worried about what I see in the preseason. over these years, I mean, if you see something good, I get you get hyped. Okay, this is gonna be a great season. And then you see some mishaps and miscues, and you just start get worried. I this night, but this might not be a good season after all. But I mean, it's just the first preseason. These guys just went through like. Five or six months of off season, five six months of rest, and they just getting back into it. So, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do what to I always say: just get your popcorn right, but I'm just sit back and relax and enjoy the show, pretty much. Yeah. And this, pretty much, everybody's just in rehearsals.
2: This is just a rehearsal stage for everyone. That's a great point, Marcus. Because one of the most famous examples of that just last year was. Uh, Jamar Chase for the Bengals (laughs) Terrible in the preseason Mm -hmm. And then we all saw what he did for the Bengals In the regular season Hopefully we see some kind of transformation like that In Anthony Schwartz But he was unable to catch three passes that came his way Which included those two drops Clearly has the speed to compete in the NFL If only he had the hands to compete as well What do you think we should do with Anthony Schwartz? Do you think he's on a tight leash here? What do you think is going to go on With Schwartz come the regular season?
1: You know, sometimes you just have a bad day. Maybe that's what happened with Anthony Schwartz. Um, You got two more preseason games to see what he can do. Um, If he doesn't improve, like let's say he just doesn't catch a pass all preseason and they're all good throws or most of them are good throws, then I would, yeah, I'd say the tight leash is probably the best option, but I think that he'll bounce back in these next two games. Yeah,
0: from watching hard knocks all these years, knowing that Right now, he's in danger of losing a spot on the on the roster. And when uh, cut day comes, um, hopefully he has he like like Jeff said he has two more games to prove himself to It's a make it prove it time for Andy Schwartz. And it's already like year three for him on the roster. But hopefully he hopefully he proves some
2: makes some right. Yeah, I completely agree with you guys. If anything, he's looking at a wide receiver four spot right now behind Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and potentially David Bell taking that third spot. Going back to the Browns' first quarter, though, their fourth play in that terrible first quarter in that third drive was just a short slant pass that was low from Watson that fell incomplete. So the first quarter as a whole, the Browns had seven total yards. All the yards were through the air, had zero rushing yards in the first quarter. Also, the Browns committed a turnover and were penalized three times for 20 yards. You mentioned Deshaun Watson's performance, Jeff. In the three drives on offense, completed one of his five passes for seven yards, which is good for a 39.6 QBR. What did you guys think of Watson's play on Friday night?
0: Well, he did just sit out a whole year not playing footballs and not be on the football field. So he's kind of rusty. He's getting the rest off of him and...
1: Pretty much, uh, no worries. I know what he's capable of. <laughs> um, Yeah, just like Marcus said, uh, he looked rusty, obviously. hasn't played football in a mm-hmm. long time. And during the game when he first came out, I did hear that the Jacksonville Jaguars fans were chanting certain things at him oh, I that, loved it. Yeah. that may have gotten to him a little bit. But, Absolutely loved it. Right. Um, but at the same time, I mean, that's the reality of playing in the NFL. Fans are going to say things to you. If, they, if um, you're on the road, you just gotta block it out and take care of your business. Yeah, things that that cannot be said on the radio at this point. That moment. is that you know? is
0: correct. <laughs> <laughs> ever, yeah. I mean, ever.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, definitely. I yeah, I mean, I was all for it. There weren't even that many fans in the in the stadium when that chant happened mm-hmm. on the first drive. But yeah, I, maybe it got to Deshaun Watson. But like you guys said, he was just rusty out there. To quote Matt Primucha, he was rustier than Tom Mater. I got a. Larry the Cable Guy. I got a pretty good laugh <laughs> out of that. Um, we were going back and forth on Twitter all night on Friday, arguing what to watch, whether it be the Browns' first preseason game or a very important Guardians game on a Friday night when we beat the Toronto Blue Jays 8 to 0. A very long Twitter thread, but I'm not going to bring that up because I could talk about that all day. Other than Deshaun Watson, Anthony Schwartz, and of course, Nick Harris, you guys have any other notable players from the first preseason game?
1: Um, For me, I have Jerome Ford. thought he played really well. 102 all-purpose yards and two touchdowns, one on the ground and one through the air. And that's the type of production that the Browns are getting. And that's why it's not really a big deal uh, that Kareem Hunt wants out. And I also think that's another reason why you don't flip him for another running
2: back because Jerome Ford played very well. Yeah, was able to play well as a running back and a receiver in the first preseason game. I completely agree with that pick. Any other notable players for you, Marcus? Uh, Jaworn Ford, I'll say it adds another
0: dimension to the rushing attack, but also that D-line. That D it looks like it has improved a lot. It's getting to the passer a lot more and expect more from this defense. And I believe it's finished uh, near the top 10 in total defense last season, and I could see a lot more from this defense this year.
1: Also, uh, Martin Emerson's pick Absolutely. six, uh, he took his lunch money. That was Fantastic.
2: <laughs> I was just about to say his name. He was our first selection in the 2022 NFL Draft at pick 68 overall. And, man, he just absolutely ripped the ball out of the hands of that receiver from the Jags. And, of course, proceeded to take it to the house for the pick six. My other notable player from the first preseason game against the Jags was Joshua Dobbs. He went 10 for 13 through the air with 108 yards and a touchdown. Josh Rosen didn't play poorly himself, but... It certainly looks like Dobbs will easily be QB3 to start the season. I know the coaches and staff are really high on Dobbs as well. Before we go to break, do you guys have a grade for the Browns for their first preseason game against the Jaguars? What would you give them?
1: So just given how rough it started out, obviously they won and scored, like, what, 24 straight points to end the game?
2: I'm not sure if it was straight points, but I believe we did score 24.
1: Okay, I would say... I'm gonna give it a C because you want your first team to look the best. And that's not what happened, uh, versus the Jaguars. Uh, I'll give it a C
0: minus. I mean, take that in part how how terrible the offense looked, but again, no worries. And then also take him in, in mind how much how much Trevor Lawrence shredded the defense up and but once again no worries. It's gonna get himself together. He got a lot of time to make things right and make adjustments.
2: Yeah, I'm going to give them a C-plus here. I think there's some highlights to look at, obviously, with Martin Emerson, and Joshua Dobbs, Jerome Ford. There were also some glaring weaknesses with the starting team, like you said, Jeff. I think you said it perfectly. They just looked very out of sync in that first preseason game. And not all the starters were playing as well. Hopefully, we fill a piece at center for the injured Nick Harris. So, I'm just going to go with a C, plus and hopefully, we get some more, um, more synergy throughout the preseason before the regular season starts in September. <laughs> so, I'll do it for our NFL talk on today's Sports Power Talk. When we come back from break, We're going to talk about my favorite sports, the MLB, talk about the terrible news of Fernando Tatis Jr., and then go right into some better news with the Field of Dreams game, Player of the Week, and the Kings of the AL Central. That's right, the Cleveland Guardians, so don't go anywhere. What's going on, everyone? We are back with the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. I'm your host. My name is Jake Murrin, and I am joined by Jeff Longville. Goodness gracious, do I love baseball. Baseball's the best, man. What can I say? And the MLB widow, too. Marcus Anderson. Back at it. Are you an actual MLB widow or do you actually No <laughs> no nah, nah, I I'm
0: still sick with the A's. I'm still sick with the A's. Oh, it's man. obviously it been a terrible season for us. That is a
2: tough I mean. That is a tough <laughs> break, man. An A's <laughs> fan? Yeah. Man, that's well, tough, what's bud. worse,
1: that or me being an quote unquote Astros fan? <laughs> well, I mean at least the Astros are good.
2: The A's are terrible, so at least well, you're not even sure Astros fan too, so it's right. kind of hard to say. Mm-hmm. But you're definitely more annoying. I mean, Marcus is just going to sit there and grief about how his athletics have been playing this season. Let's talk about the very unfortunate news of Fernando Tatis Jr., who has been suspended 80 games for violating MLB's performance-enhancing drug policy. The suspension means that he is shut down for this season will be ineligible for the postseason and will miss about 40 games next year as well. Fernando Tatis Jr. commented on the suspension in an MLBPA statement, saying, It turns out that I inadvertently took a medication to treat ringworm that contained clestibol. I should have used the resources available to me in order to ensure that no banned substances were in what I took. I failed to do so. End quotes. Tatis still has 13 years and $335 million left on his contract with San Diego. What do you guys think of this news, what it means for the Padres, and really the entire MLB as a whole?
1: So he said that he accidentally took the medication to treat ringworm. I personally don't buy that it was an accident because... If you're a professional athlete, you know that whatever league you're playing for is going to be testing you for banned substances, especially if you're hurt like Tatis Jr. was. So I don't think it was an accident, but if it was an accident, then I think it was a lazy move to not make sure that the medication didn't contain any banned substances. As far as the Padres are concerned, his suspension is going to carry over into next year, and next year is supposed to be the year that they're looking forward to because they made the Juan Soto trade, correct?
2: Yeah, I yeah. mean, certainly this year, Tatis would have come back in maybe a week or right, so right. on assignment. This year, I mean, their World Series chances this year are astronomical. Now that kind of falls without Tatis. But, I mean, the future, regardless, looks bright for them. Right. So, like, uh, next year is
1: supposed to be the year that Tatis Jr. and Soto get to play a full year together. And they could possibly win the World Series. But now they're they're probably going to get off to a slower start without Tatis Jr. and who knows how that, how that will affect them moving forward.
2: All right, Marcus, any thoughts on uh, Fernando Tatis Jr.? Well, there's
0: some cases before that, the uh, doctors have prescribed the wrong things or think or the medic or the kind of medication that you should be taking in the first place. There have been some cases with that, but either or only God knows. But anyways, and it's just it makes it look even more bad on the MLB. I mean. For them to have stricter rules over the years, and then still you have this kind of thing still happening. And then for the Padres, I mean, they're only, se- I mean, they're right behind—not right behind, but they're second in the NL West, and they still in playoff contention. But there's playing other contenders in the National League, and it's not, gar- it's not a guaranteed spot for the Padres. Even though with that Ron Soto trade, it's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed that they could get a spot in the. In the playoffs, and knowing how, knowing how contested, and how tight that the National League is looking.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm going to start with saying Tatis passed every steroid test while playing, including one that was taken as early as March 29th, 2022. So, I think that's important to say as well. Hopefully, it's just related yeah. to his recovery process from his injury or potentially treating Ringworm like he said and like his mom Maria posted a picture of on her Instagram, and this wasn't in place when he actually broke out. I'm sure so many people look up to Tatis, and like I said, this is just terrible news for the MLB and the sport of baseball as we lose one of the best, brightest young stars in today's game for 80 games. And I hate to say it, but it's almost one of those things where you see the test results and you just want to almost flush it down and not even look at it. You just want to say, oh, well, we'll believe you about the ringworm. You can still play when you're healthy. Unfortunately, of course, if he did what he did, he obviously deserves the 80 games. It's just really unfortunate to lose one of baseball's brightest young stars in Fernando Tatis Jr. In terms of San Diego, the teammates have been critical of him, including former Guardians pitcher Mike Clevenger. Who said, "Quotes. It's the second time we've been disappointed with him. You hope he grows up and learns from this, and teams, er, and teams that it's about more than just him right now." End quote. In terms of this season, you know, the Braves won the World Se- the World Series last year without Ronald Acuna Jr., so it's not impossible for the Padres to do the same this season without Tatis, especially with all the moves that they made at the deadline. Of course, the big headline is Juan Soto, but it's not only Juan Soto. They also got Josh Bell. They also got Josh Hader. They also got Brandon Drury, and they're still competitive in the NL, even without Tatis, and they've been without him this entire season so far. What do you guys think about that, though? Do you think the Padres are still in World Series contention this year? I would
1: say yes, they've gotten this far without Tatis all year, um, but it definitely makes it harder on them. Yeah, in baseball, anything it really happen, pretty much. But
0: like I said, how tightly contested this National League <clears throat> Because you also got the Milwaukee Brewers, you also got the Phillies, you also got the Braves in contention for possible for that possible final wild card spot for the, that the Padres are going after right now, and they're at this point they're most likely ahead. They have got spots secured at this point if the playoffs were to start today, but we still got
2: a long season ahead of us, and we'll just see what happens. Yeah, crucial last couple months for the MLB regular season. Let's move on from Fernando Tatis, and let's talk about some more positive news before we get to the Field of Dreams game and talking everything about the special... Field of dreams game let's have our player of the week segment where each of us picks one mlb player to feature for player of the week regardless of position and could be for accomplishments on or off the field i really like my pick here but i'm interested to see what you guys have to say marcus i'll go to you first
0: all right is here between the um subway series He's here between jacob Degrom for for the mets I mean he's been the main reason why the Mets is one the has been one of the best teams in the in the league so far and also this week he has been on a shred I mean including his 10 strikeout performance and there also could be either Aaron Judge just getting his 62nd home run this season and on track for some ro- more um more MLB records and you see between Aaron Judge or Jacob DeGraw if you
2: had to pick who would it be there could only be one player of the week. Jacob DeGrom. DeGrom. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Jeff? You're really going to like mine, Jake. All right. What
1: Astro player? <laughs> it's actually not. No, it's, okay. it's Jose Ramirez. Okay. He went three for three with one home run and four RBIs versus the Toronto Blue Jays on Friday, so I gave it to Jose. The less inferior, Jose.
2: I'm not going to let it get to me because I know you're not serious about it. Um, I don't know about DeGrom helping the Mets all season. He did just come back from injury, but he has been electric so far, so I'll give you that, Marcus. Uh, Fair enough for Jose Ramirez, even though I think Stephen Kwan has been absolutely amazing this week. Just his on-base percentage, I think he now has the highest batting average among all rookies in the major leagues. But my player of the week is Chandler Redmond. Do you guys know what team this player plays oh, for? Totally. 100%. Yeah. Take a guess. Take a guess, <laughs> Jeff. Uh, Cubs. Cubs. Okay. Marcus, take a guess. Chandler Redmond, what team does he play for? I'm going to guess the Brewers. So it's kind of a trick question because this player plays for the Springfield Cardinals, a oh. minor league team for the St. Louis Cardinals. So That's not fair. I mean, (laughs) hey, it's allowed. I'm the host. I can do whatever I want, man. Fair enough. (laughs) I'm going Chandler Redmond for player of the week. Because on Thursday, you hit a two-run homer in the fifth inning, a grand slam in the sixth inning, a solo home run in the seventh inning, and a three-run homer in the eighth inning. In four consecutive innings, Redmond hit for the home run cycle, something that has never been done in the majors and only once in the minors in 1998 from an old AA affiliates for the Cardinals as well. So how about wow. that? A home run cycle. Absolutely insane wow, there from Chandler <laughs> Redmond. Amazing. Maybe he gets a call-up from the Cardinals. Who knows? We'll see what happens. I would hope so. But yeah. Chandler uh, sure. Redmond, a home run cycle. I didn't even really know that it existed only once before, even before I was born in 1998. Mm-hmm. Insane stats there from Chandler Redmond. He is my player of the week. But it's now time to talk about the Field of Dreams game. I'll give a quick recap of it, and then we'll get into our thoughts in terms of the game and the magic of the game itself. So the Chicago Cubs beat the Cincinnati Reds 4-2 on Thursday in the Field of Dreams game. A quick recap, three of the four run, of the Cubs runs were scored in the first inning off of Reds pitcher Nick Lodolo, Saya Suzuki, Nico Horner, and Ian Happ all had RBI base hits with two outs to score the runs. For the Reds, it was Matt Reynolds in the seventh inning who batted in Jose Barrero and Jake Fraley off of Cubs relief pitcher Michael Rucker. The Cubs starting pitcher Drew Smiley had a great outing as he walked two batters, gave up no runs, and had nine strikeouts in just five innings of work. In terms of the game itself, though, did you guys watch? And even if you didn't, what do you think of the Field of Dreams game itself? So,
1: no, I did not watch the Field of Dreams game. but Right, right. But um, I think the concept of the game is really cool um, for it to take place on the fields from the movie, which I'm assuming... Uh, many MLB players watched as that was their passion growing up, and that's where they're at today. Um, and I feel like if you are on the team that's selected to play in this game, there's a lot of nostalgia and honor for those players. They get to play there. And fun fact, I have never actually seen Field of Dreams.
2: Oh man, You're I've seen sure. Sandlot.
1: Of course,
2: I mean Sandlot's good. Have you seen Benchwarmers? I have. It's probably my favorite baseball <laughs> movie. It's a good one. Even though the Field of Dreams, it's it's iconic. Right. You yeah. need watch it tonight. Yeah, no. I can but. see on your face. Just <laughs> sad. No. Maybe one day. <clears throat> one day soon, hopefully. Marcus, What did you have you seen Field of Dreams, Marcus? I've seen
0: them once. I think I was okay. four years old. Kevin yeah. Costner and Danny Glover, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, I've seen them
2: once. I watched it in high school because I had to read... Um I think it's trueless Joe Jackson It kind of had a relationship if I'm totally wrong there I apologize, but I did read it in high school and I'm a big fan of the movie, but go ahead, Marcus, what do you think of yeah. the game? but
0: yeah, I mean the game itself I think is arguably arguably the greatest angle, the best annual event around right now in all of professional sports and this game, it was. I didn't watch it, but it wasn't as good as last year's game when the White Sox and Yankees faced off. That Tim Anderson walk off. Yeah. I mean, that game.
2: Yeah. You can't really compare to that yeah, game. And it, yeah.
0: Yeah, and honestly, um, this this year's game, he had two bottom feeders, the Cubs and the and the Reds. <laughs> 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 no longer the big red big red machine anymore. But anyways, I mean, this concept of this game, I mean like i said i only watched the movie t- once and i was like when i was four years old i mean it was a pretty good movie it was pretty uh, low-key of a tearjerker i would say i mean about now remembering i've seen it if i'm now thinking of it as low-key like kind of a copycat of another wo- movie it's so similar it's a football movie it's, it's called heaven can wait <laughs> but i'll go into depth later on it's about a former quarterback who dies and then comes back from heaven to play but anyways i'll go into depth just look up heaven can wait and you see what i'm talking about but anyways uh the concept of this game is like i said rb The it's just so cool like (laughs) just to pay homage to like a a famous movie pretty much and it's a cool way of doing it pretty much just the whole, I just the whole feel of the players come out the cornfield, and then also the Griffies just make an appearance in this game. But playing catch out there, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it's just the whole concept. It's just so cool seeing the players just to, just come out the cornfield onto the field. It's just so cool.
2: So it's a great sight to see. Going off track here, just because I said playing catch, it's been a debate on Twitter and on social media recently. Do you guys say playing catch or have a catch?
1: Playing catch. Well, like let's go play catch. Okay, Marcus, this, this is very awesome. important. Yeah, I say play catch. Okay, thank you. You guys you are said both. have
2: a catch. It's apparently what some is, people what
1: out
0: there is have that? a catch. Apparently some, some people out there. I've never heard say that it. before. Yeah, I was just saying nobody has ever said that. But. Let's no, go no, have
2: <laughs> a catch, <laughs> a, man. Seriously, it's a thing. It is a thing, and it is so annoying. It is playing catch. Do you want to go play catch? It is playing catch for baseball. Uh, not have a catch. Actually, I, I just say you want to go for a catch. <laughs> Well, I mean...
1: Well, that's kind of the same thing.
2: Then have a catch. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's on the same lines, I
2: think. I think so, too. Just say play, Marcus. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. In terms of the Field of Dreams game, though, I think the Field of Dreams game is incredible. It's so unique to the game of baseball. It connects fans who might not be completely invested in the game, and it should absolutely become a staple of the MLB. I wouldn't mind if the MLB potentially makes the Field of Dreams game a part of the All-Star break to bring even more attention to it, whether that means they finish the first half of the season with it or begin the second half with it, it doesn't matter. Anything to make this game even more special, and it's unfortunate that the MLB will not return to Iowa next season for the Field of Dreams game due to the construction of a youth sports complex, but we will see it again in 2024, and I am very much looking forward to that game in 2024. Let's go through some of the MLB standings before we get to the AL Central and the Kings of the AL Central, your very own Cleveland Guardians. The Yankees and Padres are both slumping hard right now. The Yankees are 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games, and the Padres are 4-6 and six in their last 10 games. And other teams like the Dodgers, Mets, Cardinals, and Phillies are surging. Astros. Not really, I don't think seven so. and three, seven and three in their last ten, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I guess they are playing well, but I mean they are pretty much a lock in the al, so there's that, plus they did get a lot better at the deadline as well, but the Dodgers are untouchable right now. they're on a 12 game winning streak, have won all the games by multiple runs, and it's the franchise's longest winning streak since nineteen seventy six. The Mets and Phillies are both eight and two in their last ten, and the Cardinals are seven and three in their last ten. So let's just run through each division here in the MLB. So looking at the AL West, you have the Yankees atop. Like I said, they're kind of slipping right now, two and eight in their last ten, but there's still ten games ahead of <clears throat> Toronto. Do we see any turmoil there? Just the Yankees going to go ahead and win the AL East? Yankees are they're set. And yeah, stand. the Yankees are running away with it. Yeah, <laughs> I completely agree with you guys that. Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Baltimore, they're all right there in terms of the wild card race. And the difference between Toronto and Baltimore, only two and a half games. So even Baltimore could have a good last half of the season and be a shocking team to make the wild card. I know Jorge Mateo was one of my, I almost had him as my player of the week, but that home run cycle completely got it for me. Looking at the AL West, we're going to skip the AL Central, talk about them in a little bit. The AL West, of course, Jeff, your Houston Astros, 7-3 mm-hmm. and three in their last 10, have the best record in the AL at 74-41. and 41. They currently sit 12 games ahead of the Seattle Mariners. The Mariners are another one of those teams competing for a wild card spot. Same thing here, guys. Just the Astros going to take it. Mm-hmm. I like the co- I
0: always like to consider them the New England Patriots of pro baseball. <laughs> as England you Patriots should. That's actually League. not
2: a bad not a bad comparison. Let's go to the NL here as things get a little bit tighter with the NL East. The New York Mets currently are winning the A or the NL East here with a seventy four and forty record. They're surging as well with an eight and two record in their last ten. And the Atlanta Braves are right behind them, five and a half games behind them. And like I said, the Phillies are also 8-2 and two in their last 10. They're in third in the NL East. So lots of things could happen here. The New York Mets currently sit atop at of the division. What do you guys think of the NL East? There definitely could be um,
1: some some competition here between the Mets and the Braves. Uh, the Braves won last year, so they got that championship DNA. They know that it's winning time right now. But I'm going to stick with the Mets. I think they'll they'll win the NL East.
2: All right, Marcus, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the
0: Mets are one of running away with this division. I mean, they're probably the most, the most balanced team in all of baseball. I mean, effective offensive power, hitting power, and then also effective defense. I mean, they got what it takes to maybe win it all this year. And also, I'm so glad... To see Bryce Harper come back, I mean, so far, come back play of the year, pretty much. Uh, The Bryce Harper I knew, watching the Nationals, and also Atlanta Braves, they could, once again, they're making noise again and could surprise the folks again.
2: Well, I mean, Bryce Harper did win NL MVP last season, and he's currently still hurt. We'll see when he makes his return. I know when he does make his return, it's going to be solely as a DH, which is probably the smart move. For Philly, and I'm kind of surprised that Philly's been competitive right now. And the Mets, I do think they are going to win the NL East. I think their pitching staff is fantastic with Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom, who's returned and looking like the most dominant pitcher in the MLB, like he has in previous seasons. Atlanta, they're right there too. I think these are easily two wildcard teams right here in Atlanta and Philly. Let's look at the NL Central here as the race for the NL Central gets a lot closer as the Cardinals sit atop the NL Central at 62 and 51. Milwaukee's right behind them only a game or only a half game back at 61 and 51. The rest of the NL Central, the Cubs, the Pirates, and the Reds. Not much happening with those teams. What do you think in terms of the Cardinals and Brewers? Do we see a little bit of a, a change there?
0: No, this is the tightest pennant race right now. and might be. And really, this is the best rivalry in all of Major League Baseball for the past few years, few years now. And also, um, I mean, St. Louis, compared to Milwaukee, they actually have great offensive power. But on the other hand, the Brewers have great defense of power, pretty much have... Arby the greatest pitcher rotation in all of baseball, arguably. But i say there's another one where I just sit back, relax, and see what happens pretty much. Eat the <laughs>
2: popcorn, right? Yeah. Eat the popcorn, right. <laughs> Jeff, anything for me on the NL Central?
1: Um, obviously the closest race out of any division. Um, it could go either way. Um, but this is the time of the year when the teams that are mentally tougher are going to come out on top and the other teams are going to crumble. I shouldn't really say crumble because, like, if they finish second in the division, they could still get a wild-card spot. But, like, you know what I mean, like, fall yeah. short of what they could have accomplished.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I could see either team winning the division. I'm right here with Marcus, just going to eat the popcorn and see what happens in the down the stretch for the NL Central. NL West, I mean, quickly on this, the Padres are in second, but they're 17 games behind the red-hot Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers are going to win the NL West, right, uh, guys? Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's look at some of the wild-card standings. Right now, the AL divisional division leaders are the Houston Astros, the New York Yankees, and the cleveland guardians for the wild card we have toronto seattle and tampa bay with the wild card spots with baltimore minnesota and chicago all looking in for the nl we have the dodgers mets and cardinals as your division leaders for wild card teams you have the braves phillies and padres with the brewers just a game out from taking that spot from the padres do we see any turmoil any changes down the stretch in terms of these wild card wild card standings?
1: The only team that I could really see maybe making uh getting in there are the Brewers because they're so close if they win the division they go from looking outside the wild card completely to being in the division leaders.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Marcus anything for me on
0: that? I would see no changes with the N- NL even though the Padres, I'll say with that trade with Ron Sutter, I mean, wait till next year. But really, the Phillies and Braves—they guys—they'll have it secured by the end of the season. But with the AL, I say Baltimore makes it. in. I mean, this this is this year's Cinderella story for all of baseball, and the Mariners and right and the Mariners—they've been hot as of late. But Baltimore, they've been so talented. They've been so competitive. Surprisingly, keeping up with some of the best teams of all of baseball, and also Toronto makes it. And I guess said the most assign- once I said before, the most exciting team of all of baseball. I'll never forget that twenty five to three win over Boston back like a month ago or two months ago. That just showed you what they're really capable of. And this is a team you don't want to see in the playoffs. And don't be surprised if they travel. They travel far.
2: Yeah, I think the NL is super interesting with the Cardinals and Brewers because that could easily be a flip and the team that gets second could potentially be on the outside looking in come the postseason. Personally, I think the Cardinals win the NL pennant there and then I have the Brewers taking the spot that is currently held by the Phillies. So I have Atlanta, Milwaukee, and San Diego as your NL wildcard teams. And for the AL, it's wide open. I mean, even the Guardians... Could fall to the Twins, hopefully not. And then the Guardians could look out, could be on the outside looking in. I think Toronto is a lock for an AL Wild Card teams, but other than that, it's completely wide open. I could see the Mariners, Rays, or even Baltimore, like you said, Marcus, taking one of those AL Wild Card spots. But let's talk about the AL Central before we go to break. Tim Anderson is out four to six weeks for the Chicago White Sox with a torn ligament in his left hand. We don't have to spend too much time on this, but I thought this Reddit post from the real Pete Wheeler was really interesting because he revealed that the 2022 White Sox have now injured every possible anatomical region of the human body (laughs) over the last calendar year. So how crazy is that? Who just looks that up? I mean, I guess they've just been riddled with injuries this year, and just that left hand was the only spot that hadn't been hurt until now. Very interesting. Yeah, very interesting there from Tim Anderson. Also, some news out of the Detroit Tigers as they fired Executive Vice President and General Manager Al Avila, who spent 22 years with the organization. What are your guys' thoughts on that firing?
1: Um, I thought that... It kind of made sense. This team was still struggling after they acquired Javier Baez and Austin Meadows. And during his time, they traded away guys like Justin Verlander, J.D. Martinez, Justin Upton, and Nick Castellanos. Is that right? Castellanos. Right, okay. Um, and they just haven't been able to form a farm system with the multiple high picks that they've had. So I I thought it kind of made sense.
0: Yeah, it was about time for a change. Even though it was the same man who's been around for the city's only two world series titles back in 84 in 2011 and for that 2011 team to tear apart and miguel cabrera is still sticking around but it was about time for a change it's about time for a new era in detroit and maybe some new game changers on the way
2: yeah it certainly seems like the right move for detroit who is last in the al central second last in the entire american league And just hasn't been competitive for a very, very long time. So that leaves us with the Kings of the AL Central, the Cleveland Guardians. And are we primed to win the AL Central in your guys' opinion?
1: I think it's definitely possible. Um, Before last night, they were on a six-game winning streak. And currently hold the number one spot in the division. So it's definitely possible, but you never want to get too comfortable.
0: Yeah, it's every possible. I mean, with the Twins sliding and looking like the best team in our division for a minute and then suddenly we get a, late season, a mid-season surge, we're finally playing up to consistency. We're finally playing up to the level we should be playing up to if we are really capable to and competing. So, yeah, it's very possible that this team could capture the division and go on to the playoffs.
2: Yeah, there was a question last week on Hot Mike on if the Guardians would ever be consistent. And I don't think we can maintain the success we've had this past week, but this is some of the best baseball the Guardians have played all year. Starting pitching has been firing on all cylinders with our ace Shane Bieber taking the mound today in the series finale against the Blue Jays. And we've been great at hitting as well when it matters and taking advantage of opposing pitching, giving us free bases, whether that be hitting batters or putting us on the bases via walks as well. Before we go to break, that leads us to our Around the Roo question this week, where we debate around the table and bring it to you via our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. And this week's Around the Roo question is simply, who's going to win the AL Central? I didn't include the Royals and Tigers. You have three choices here here the Chicago White Sox, the Minnesota Twins and the Cleveland Guardians. Marcus Cleveland I'll go to Guardians. First. Cleveland Guardians. I love to hear it, man. <laughs> I agree. Cleveland Guardians. Yeah, I think the White Sox are going to be out of the race soon, and I know I said last week that I think they're going to win the AL Central, but that was before one of their best hitters, Torrey Ligament, in his hand. Without Tim Anderson, I don't think the White Sox make that push to end the year. So the race is really down to the Twins and Guardians. The Twins got better at the deadline, but the Guardians are the ones playing like they're pushing for the playoffs right now. So right now... I'm going with the guards to win the AL Central this season. Some very exciting things out of our Cleveland Guardians, who today take on the Blue Jays in the series finale. Shane Bieber is taking the mound for the Guardians, taking on Kevin Gosman for the Blue Jays. Both pitchers have looked sharp recently with Bieber only allowing three earned runs in his last three starts, and Gosman hasn't allowed a run in his past two starts against good teams in the Twins and Rays. Before we go to break, give me a quick prediction, guys. Who wins today's tie breaking game in the series between the Guards and Blue Jays? Going the Guardians all the way. Love to hear it. Uh, no, I'm saying Blue Jays. All right. So wow, dude. I mean, Kevin Gosman on the mound. I could see it happening, but I'm going to go with the guards as well. Gosman's looked good in his last two starts, but he's been inconsistent this year. Shane Bieber on the mound. He loved to see it there for the guards. I had the Guardians winning today's game. This upcoming week, you have Detroit in the White Sox. Some very important series within our division. So go Guardians. Hopefully, they continue to play hot down the stretch. And that will do it for our baseball segment on today's program when we return the second edition of hot mic if you haven't left left a question yet you have about two and a half minutes to drop your question on our twitter page at Sports. you'll see the hot mic post right there just ask a question we'll shout you out and we'll answer it live on the air next Hello again, everyone. We are back with the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. I'm your host. My name is Jake Murrin, and I am joined by Jeff Longville. Hot Mike, baby. And hot Mike Widow. I don't know if that joke applies to <laughs> segments, but it is Marcus <laughs> Anderson. Let's get ready to rumble. To rumble for some hot mic. Yes, it is the second edition of Hot Mic. If you didn't already know it's the segment where we answer your questions to end Sports Power Talk on our Twitter. And we're going to kick it right off. And the first person to have the hot mic is Jake Myrna-Goats. Yes, the fan page. Jake Murn number one fan, Logan Congrove, hater. Man, I love this guy. Do you guys love this guy? What do you no, think? cool.
1: I also mm-hmm. hate Logan Congrove, so yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely <laughs> do. I know we've... Logan kind of went into it a little too deep last week, Um, but whatever. I'm grateful for what he puts out there. And his first question is, what is the best team in sports in Ohio, any sports, any league? Ohio State. Nobody else competes? Nope. All
0: right. Uh, Ohio State.
2: Ohio State as well, Marcus? Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be Ohio State, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, just their consistency, I guess. You know, the Cavs have that one title, but other than that, it's been up or down. Browns, definitely not. Mm -hmm. Bengals, you could kind of make an argument for, but not to the likes of Ohio State. And I'm missing the Guardians here. I mean, the Guardians have been up and down, kind of a competing team, while still rebuilding all these years as well. So I agree with you guys. Ohio State football... Is the best team in sports in Ohio? He also asks, "What high school did everyone on SPT go to?" We're not going to name every high school, but at least the three of us that are here. Marcus, go ahead.
0: I went to Warrensville Heights. Warrensville Heights Tigers. Go Tigers!
2: (laughs) All right. I went to Ellet High School, and I went to Green. I'm one of the many green boyos up here. Boyos? Um, Yeah, of course, man. (laughs) I think Matt Pramuka, Dan Groen, Alex Henry, shout out to you guys. Also, some green boyos up here at WZIB (laughs) Sports. You like that word, Jeff? It's funny. I like it. So that's all the high schools we went to. And his last question is, what is the best ice cream flavor? Mm. I swear, if you say vanilla, Jeff. No. You seem like a guy who
1: would like vanilla. No. I like Moose Tracks a lot. I'm a big Moose Tracks fan. What is that? So, it is it is vanilla ice cream, but you throw in, you're not going to like this. You throw in, like, peanut butter cups and, like, nope, chocolate like chunks and all that kind of don't stuff. Like it. You put chocolate syrup over it.
2: It's delicious. So, do we have that argument, Jeff? What? You saying I'm picky when I'm not? You, you are. Right.
1: All right, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Listen, right? When Jake and I were in I'm Portland for March myself. Madness, we went and found this pizza shop that had, like, crazy pizza toppings you never heard of. What like did the, you get? The pizza I had had elk meat on it. And Jake walks up to the counter with a straight face goes, (laughs) let me get a plain cheese. And I was like, what?
2: Dude, that's what I like. You get to try
1: some some exotic, well, not exotic, but like some different food in a different part of the country. You're going to go with a plain cheese pizza? What?
2: That's what I like. What can I I say? That's (laughs) That's weird, bro. That's what I like. There's also a bunch of other things I don't like. Do you want to expose me on that too?
1: Uh, Let's see. I think you said ketchup was the only condiment you do like, right? One of them, yeah. I mean, I don't really do much
2: else. Mm. I don't like barbecue sauce. Don't like barbecue sauce. People don't like steak that. or shrimp. I don't think I've had a good quality steak in like ten plus years. That is no, so. I just, I just need to try one again.
1: So okay. I'm not gonna. Um, what else? Reese's cups. We already talked yeah, about that. Yeah, peanut butter and
2: chocolate combination. And it's the don't, greatest
1: thing ever. But don't like that either. Or, oh, what? What goodness. else? There was something else that, was, that
2: you that you said. Oh, bacon. It.
1: Bacon, that's, that's yeah. unforgivable.
2: So, so, you
0: haven't had a peanut butter and Nutella sandwich? No,
2: I, I don't like peanut butter and chocolate together. i like mean, Reese's peanut butter cups. I mean, disgusting. What? I mean, did, could you even
0: at least try it with milk on the side? Laughing
2: taffies are the goats of Halloween candy. Oh my. That, no, no. Wow. No. Not I said bad, it last week, not, I'll continue to say it.
0: Not better than Twix. It's not even better Twix, than Twix. Twix are pretty good. <laughs> left
2: to right Twix guy, Marcus.
0: <laughs> um,. I mean... <laughs> Both. Both. I don't know why.
2: <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe it. <laughs> oh, man. We're going wild here on Hot Mike on a simple question of what's the best ice cream flavor.
0: <laughs> if you ask me, I say mint chocolate. That's another good one.
2: So it just depends, like, are we talking... What are we talking? Am I going into a store like Acme or Giant Eagle and just getting... A- Thing of ice cream, or am I going to like Dairy Queen ordering a Blizzard, or I'm going to hand like it just depends, man. I guess. Let's, let's say stuff, you're going
1: right. to like Handles, mm.
2: Handles. So I might flame me for this too, but I'm not a big Handles guy. What? Where do you go? Coldstone? No, I'm not. I'm not a big Bastard Cold Stone. Where do you Where do you go? My number one is Freddy's because okay. theirs is more like a custard and not really ice cream. I love it. I also like Strickland's and DQ and Pavs. Those are my top four.
1: I had Pavs not too long ago. It was pretty good.
2: Yeah. So like I I usually get chocolate ice cream as the base and then throw on either M&M's, Oreos, Hot Fudge, anything like that. I respect it. Wherever I go. So it just depends where I'm going. If I go to a store, usually my go-to is like chocolate marshmallow and Mm. I'll, I'll roll with that. But yeah, that's a- Not a marshmallow fan. That's weird. How? Should I expose you for that? It's just sugar. Do you not like s'mores?
1: I will eat the graham cracker and the Hershey's. I will not eat the marshmallow. Gross,
2: man. (laughs) Do you like s'mores, Marcus? Oh, yeah, I like s'mores. Okay. Is he weird for not liking marshmallows? (laughs) I mean,
1: it's just it's just sugar. It's all mean, it is. You like cotton candy? I mean, marshmallow.
2: Yes. That that's just sugar too. I mean, I, would, See, I don't like cotton I candy, mean, but I like marshmallows.
0: I mean, I wouldn't eat marsh marshmallow alone. Right? Eat yeah. Marshmallows straight out the bag. Like, I'll
2: I'll, I'll, eat, I'll eat chocolate
1: marshmallow ice cream, but like, I won't be like super happy about it. You You've know? never
2: done the marshmallow challenge, where you just fit as many marshmallows mm. in your mouth as possible? I've not. No. no. Oh man, you guys are missing out. Mm. That does it for Jake Merida Goat's question, and that does it for his hot mic. Moving on to Cam. Cam has that mic. He asked, I think, seven questions last week. Inspiring on all cylinders. Has five questions for us this week. He says, "Congrats on 1K." Thank you very much. We didn't really observe this. We did reach a thousand downloads for SPT Overtime, and that deserves a little bit of a little bit of a round of applause. Yes, I am very very proud of reaching 1,000 downloads on SBT Overtime. Uh, we started up in December. I had my first episode as Solomon Redford Jr., his interview. And then since then, 39 straight weeks of content, and I've heard great things from our listeners about it, so I'm very proud of that. But going back to Cam429's questions here, his first question is, our favorite new NBA unis. Hmm. Favorite new Marcus, you are the big NBA jersey guy. Oh, yeah. Which is jersey in generals. You, have, you have, how many jerseys do you have? I
0: got like Is there a, even a number on it? I think I got either between thirty seven or forty. Okay. Very nice. That's yeah. A
2: very solid collection there.
0: But my favorite new NBA jerseys that they got out is like the throwbacks with uh the Till <laughs> throwbacks with the Detroit Pistons, the Grand Hill days, paying homage to the Grand Hill, and then also Golden State, pay homage to the run TMC.
1: I hate those Chris
0: Mullin, and Tim Hardaway. <laughs> How can you not like those? Because they, they
1: resemble uh, a college team that I don't like very much to the point where I wouldn't even say their name. So that's why. And also it's Golden oh, man. State.
0: <laughs> nah, it's just that going back to the nice And that's another squad. That reminds me of another squad that could have won it all. They, they really could have won it all. But, that, nah, the GM had to trade away Mitch Richmond in 92, and then and then all way up the flames. But, yeah, I really like those, or either between Detroit's tail jerseys.
1: Yeah, those are yeah. very nice. So, I'll be honest, haven't really been keeping up with the new jerseys. I did see the new Lakers jerseys, but to be honest, those just kind of remind me of UCLA a lot. So, I'm going to say the Cavs jerseys. I like them.
2: Hmm. So, I don't know if, like, he's trying to get at our favorites new NBA jerseys like the ones that are actually new or if like the throwback ones count as well because mm-hmm. my answer is the throwback it's got to be the purple Utah Jazz ones oh those, yeah those, those are mine the Utah Jazz moms. released the worst NBA uniforms of all time while also bringing back probably the best NBA uniform oh, of all definitely. time easily the mountain uniforms <laughs> from the Utah Jazz that is my favorite new NBA uniform his second question is our favorite Dan Campbell quotes do you guys have one? Bite your kneecaps off. Yeah, that's not a bad one. I think that's probably mine too. Do you have any Marcus off the top of your head? Um, I don't have a favorite quote, but I have a favorite moment. So
0: I've been, so I watched the Hard Knocks episode, the first episode, and my favorite moment was just seeing him do up downs with the team in the pregame warm up during practice. I, that just shows you what type of guy he is. And I love Dan yeah. Campbell, and I got a feeling he's really good. He might end up changing the fortunes of this. Franchise, it's snake band franchise, he's always changing the culture. He might end up changing the fortunes.
2: Yeah, just looking up Dan Campbell quotes, the first one is something that cannot be said on radio. So that's a uh, that's very interesting. I'm just gonna roll with the decaps one as well for that question. His third question though is should the Hall of Fame cut to six in Chinese to avoid becoming the hall of quotes pretty good? I'm actually pretty passionate about this Are we talking one. about
1: the NFL Hall of Fame? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I would say yes
1: because eventually you you will probably get to the point where you're going to run out of worthy candidates and then you're throwing in guys that don't really deserve it or deserve it less than other guys? I would say yes.
0: Yeah, I would say yes. I remember Deion Sanders the other day saying, like, uh, the Hall of Fame is meaningless. So, <laughs> and then he would say, the Hall of Fame should be for game changers. It's not for guys who's it's not for guys who say, I played good. I gave you a good three to four years. I'm in there. So, nah, it's for game changers. People like Randy Moss, people like Dan Marino, Deion Sanders himself, game changers, people have left a big impact on the game.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with you guys. And if you look at the 2022 class, those names, when they were first released, none of them really stuck out to me. I was obviously loved the Tony Baselli pick because he was the first Jacksonville Jaguar. But until I did a ton of research on these guys, I didn't really recognize some of them and I didn't know exactly who they were. So I think cutting it down to six and Chinese makes a lot of sense. And it certainly seems like a haul of pretty good could actually yeah. happen if it is keeps or just keeps on going the way it is right
0: yeah, now. Yeah, all due to respect to all those inductees, I don't. Exactly. I don't agree with Brian Young getting in, even though he was a pretty good player. But like I said, DeAndre's said, I play good, so I'm gonna be in it. But no, it should go to. that. I, mean, I, I this was a year I thought I was going to see DeMarcus Ware and Andre Johnson can this past weekend, but it just <laughs> when I saw DeMarcus Ware's name, I thought it was going to be a home run. Obviously,
2: a no brainer. Right. Yeah. I and like in this class, another thing that stuck out to me when I was doing my research was this was multiple years of eligibility for some of these guys. So if they weren't good enough to get in in their first 10 years of eligibility, it seems like, Jeff, you are right. They're kind of just running out of good candidates and saying, oh, yeah, this guy's up for his 15th, 20th year of eligibility. Yeah, let's put him in now. And that certainly seems like the case some of the times for the NFL Hall of Fame. Or as Cam said, all of pretty good going on to his fourth question though he asks thoughts on the college football rankings so the preseason rankings right now the coaches poll is what i'm going to go off of here we have alabama ohio state georgia and clemson as your top four followed by notre dame or notre lame Michigan. i'm not going to say that first letter texas a&m utah california or oklahoma my bad and Baylor, number 10. What do you guys think of the college football rankings?
1: So, first of all, Ohio State should be number one. Um, second, I, I don't really understand why Oklahoma is so high. They lost Lincoln Riley, um, Caleb Williams. A lot of their guys that committed to Oklahoma are now transferring to USC because of Lincoln Riley. I don't expect them to do anything in the Big 12 this year. I think the Big 12 is between Oklahoma State and Baylor. Um, Notre Dame is going to fall, given they just lost one of their receivers, which pretty much virtually guarantees a victory for us if it all, wasn't already clear that we were going to beat them in week one. And, yeah, that's about it.
2: Yeah. And, if anything, if they are that fifth seed and we're number two, that looks really good on their resume when we beat them week one as mm-hmm. well. Marcus, any thoughts on the college football standings as they are right now?
0: Yeah, I definitely don't agree with Oklahoma being the top ten, but, it's, I mean, they're somewhere like in 12, and now I see USC – like just about every that was there went to the USC. They're at fifteen right now, and that's about the only one I don't agree with, pretty much.
2: Yeah, I think Clemson's a bit high too. Yeah, Clemson sitting at number I, four. I can see that, but I think yeah. they're gonna have a bounce back year this year.
0: Yeah, I agree with Notre Dame too. They're, Notre Dame shouldn't be inside the top six. Like they should be somewhere like thirteen <laughs> or eleven. Like just right outside the top I love ten. The Notre so Dame.
1: So I <laughs> hope. I hope Kyle's listening to this. Yeah,
2: yeah. I love the Notre Dame hates and. Yeah, I'm it I am like them at number five because it makes that win all that more impressive come week one for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Oh, like oh
1: and also the team up north is it, too high. Is that so, in Columbus? That first game? Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, Our first
2: man. what, six games are five, I think. Five, first five oh, games at That's home.
1: already sold out teams. too, right? I have no idea, but it, it oh, might man. be. I mean I don't think game. I don't think they're gonna sell out versus Arkansas State, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> we never know. You, you could be
2: wrong. <laughs> um Other than Clemson, I think they're a little bit too high. You guys already touched on Notre Dame. I think Utah might deserve to be a little bit higher. I don't know much about Utah, but I think Bleacher Report had Utah at number four. Mm -hmm. So they think really highly of them. So I think Utah could have a great year as well. You know, they competed with Ohio State last year in the Rose Bowl. So Uh there's that as well. And I think overall, though, you know, Ohio State's going to win it all. Uh, CJ Stroud's going to win the Heisman. I think that's no doubt about it. Cam's last question is also dealing with college football. He asks, should the college football playoff expand? If so, how many games? I think 10 total for Cam. What do you guys think of the college football playoff? I
1: want it to be expanded to at least eight games. Um, With it being established, we've already gotten more interesting matchups with a couple one seeds falling to four seeds. You add an extra round, maybe some eight or seven seeds, upset one or two seeds. Given they'll have more to play for in that scenario, and I mean, you look at if if college basketball can put sixty-eight teams in their postseason, college football can put eight teams in their postseason.
0: All right, Marcus. Yeah, it's just yeah, it should have been the eight games, ten teams, pretty much, and it just make things more interesting. It's and it just give a lot more teams more respect, a lot more teams more a lot more of a chance to win it all pretty much and it makes it more fair
2: mm. and yeah.
1: you also give all the power five conferences a chance to be represented all at
2: the same time no, yeah. that's a great point as well i'm a big fan of just blowing up the playoff keeping it a thing but just making it even 12 teams i don't care i just want to see more teams compete in the college football playoff drag out the end of the season maybe a little bit and all those games are going to be so interesting even if it is a one seed versus a eight or 10 or 12 seed, however many teams are in this college football playoff. I think there's something to be intrigued by that. Sure. You might see your occasional blowout, but last year's college football playoff games were not all that competitive either. So I think just making more teams in the college football playoff makes total sense. More conferences are represented, like you said, and more teams will be represented. That's why I like the play-in in in the NBA so much is because you see teams that don't usually make the playoffs compete for something that is so crucial to them in making the postseason. I'm a big fan of the play-in. I'm a big fan of expanding the college football playoff. So that does it for Cam's questions. And now we have a very special question, an in-studio question, if I may say so myself. We have a special guest in the studio, just sticking around, watching it in here. Let's give a big round of applause for Alex Henry. All right, Alex. Thanks guys. Thanks, guys. I hear you have a very pressing question for one Marcus Anderson.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm still pretty new up here in WZIP, trying to get to know everybody. And, uh, I, you know, I, I know most people's favorite sports teams uh, that's up here. But one I just don't know is Marcus. So, Marcus, you've got to pick. Right now, Hot Mike, your favorite team. You had to stop being a fan of all the other teams. Oh favorite team oh in each sport. <laughs> Marcus, that's what I want to know. That's what the fans want to know. It's what the people need to know. What you, are your
2: favorite teams? The people deserve to know, Marcus. Mm-hmm. All right. If you
0: force me to pick one for the NFL, it's the Raiders. For a long time. <laughs> the Raiders. <laughs> yes, yes. Alex as, is rocking the Raiders as, cap. Yeah. Raider Nation. And for basketball, it it has been the Clippers. I've been a Clippers fan since Lopsey was in effect. Chris Paul was in town throwing the oops to Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. I'm still a Clippers fan, and watch out for us, too. I'm I'm still a Clippers fan. Paul George has been – and plus, Paul George is my favorite player. He's still my favorite player, so yeah. (laughs) And also for baseball, I said before, I've been an athletics fan. And in baseball – I low key have a mistress, and my mistress for baseball is is the Toronto Blue Jays. They just so exciting to watch. I remember I have been to one Blue Jays game when they played the Indians last year. It was just so exciting. They was hitting home runs like uh, so we let them see as like the a, local
2: team in the garden.
0: <laughs> <laughs> effortless plays. It was just so. It was just so amazing the way they hit balls out the stadium like that. It's just it most the same team in baseball I say. I'm not and don't be surprised if they do end up when they all upset the Yankees or just win the whole
2: thing. Don't be surprised. Your MLB mistress, the <laughs> Toronto Blue Jays. That's that's so, something special. As My a, football
1: mistress is the Packers. <laughs>
2: well, Dan would like that, I guess. As
1: a uh, Broncos fan, Lakers supporter, I I hate everything I just heard.
2: Yeah. <laughs> none of it was really good. A lot of West Coast teams it just all over the place. Do you have anything else for us Alex or that hey, was just about it? You got like a hockey team? Uh, He's I'm not really into hockey. No now, hockey? Right. <laughs> all right, hey, that's that's it. I that's all I wanted to know. What's your favorite Olympic sport, Marcus? <laughs>
0: <laughs> My favorite Olympics,
2: I'll, I'll say. Um, is
0: I, I I took a look at skiing. I, I mean, skating. Okay. Once they put skating in the Olympics, it's pretty cool. Okay, that's fair.
2: <laughs> thank you, Alex, for the special thank you guys in studio question there. Let's get back to the hot mic questions on our Twitter. And Aaliyah has the hot mic here as she asks, "What's your favorite sports moment?" Aaliyah, as in. That is very, is very true. Yes, okay. yes, it is. What's is your favorite sports favorite moment?
1: sports moment? It's got to be blocked by James, right? It can't okay. be anything else. Well, for yeah.
2: you, not if, for me. If,
1: if, I'm saying like for me that oh, okay. followed by Kyrie shot and the Cavs winning their only championship. That's mine.
2: All right, Marcus. Oh man, I'll
0: say like during my lifetime, I'll say is it's uh, the Minneapolis Miracle Like When Dad was watching mm-hmm. football, he had. Uh, he saw the Immaculate Reception. That, so the Minneapolis Miracle is like my Immaculate Reception, pretty much. But I'll say outside my lifetime, I'll say it's the catch. And back in 1981, because that just made me love football. Football was the first thing I fell in love with in this world. And that's what made me. So outside my lifetime
2: is the catch. And inside my lifetime is the Minneapolis Miracle. Yeah, that's a great pick. Uh, chill when I hear the call from the Minnesota guys on that. But my pick for my favorite sports moment is Rajay Davis's home run in Game 7 of the World Series against Adrolis Chapman and the Chicago Cubs. Just the atmosphere. My whole family and my house were completely down, had no confidence. We saw Chapman go in there throwing 102 mile an hour for his fastball, having great movement in his other pitches, and Rajay Davis – hits one to left field, just over the fence, ties it up. Of course, the rain delay and we lose. But in that moment, I mean, I was ecstatic. I thought the Guardians, or the Indians at the time were going to win the World Series, and that meant more to me than any other sports moment, I think, in my life. Of course, you have that Baker Mayfield win over the Steelers. That might be my second. And now Kelly asks if you could have any past Indians player on the Guardians team now who would it be? Jeff, I know you're well-versed in the <laughs> Indians slash Guardians history. Mm-hmm. So who would it be for you? So you told me not to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Francisco Lindor. That's such a terrible pick. In your opinion. Or we are better without him. So, yes, it is a terrible pick. But fair enough, whatever. Marcus, who would you pick?
0: Oh, man. That's so hard. I will say, I I was about to say Kenny Lockton, but I will say Jim Tomey.
2: Jim Tomey. So I was really close to picking Jim Tomey. Um, I also wanted to go pitcher here. Maybe Bob Feller, maybe CeCe Sabathia, maybe prime uh, Corey Kluber because our pitching rotation could certainly use that. But I'm going to go outfield here because we need an outfielder. Miles Straw, he's great in center field, but he doesn't have any production at the plate right now. So for me, I'm going to go with my favorite center fielder of all time for the Cleveland Indians. And that is prime Grady Sizemore. Bring back Grady Sizemore into this lineup. I'd love to see what that would look like. Unfortunately, injuries ruined his career. But prime Grady with the Guardians right now. Easily win the AL Central, if that were the case. Last two questions here. One from Talbert32. He asks, should the Browns trade for Jimmy G and possibly sign Antonio Brown? So we already talked about Jimmy G. Uh, Let's... Talk about the possibility of signing Antonio Brown. I guess no, no. absolutely not. Yeah. See his most recent comments about mm-hmm. his biggest regret is not being able to see him play, like yeah. actually see him play. Yeah, that's that's when you know he's just lost it all. He's his own biggest fan. <laughs> yeah, very true. How about that? I mean, Raiders Nation. He played there for a little bit. Oh yeah. Well, no, not really. No. But well, I mean, he I mean, was on the Raiders. He, for a little he little was bit.
0: there for five minutes.
2: <laughs> signing Antonio Brown.
0: No. Yeah, I have no for both. There's so better he, free agent. You can he stay doing concerts, do that little dance uh. of his The two fingers back and forth, side to side. Like, what makes <laughs> you make up that dance? I don't know. I might end up doing that at the club or at the bar next time. <laughs> All right, we'll do little two fingers side to the side. Like, you <laughs> step with the... Th- <laughs> Index fingers. <laughs> Little two-step with the index fingers.
2: <laughs> Marcus, uh, I introduced you at the top of the show as the always entertaining NFL widow, Marcus Anderson. Living group, up to his name. You're bringing it today. Apparently, Antonio Brown is uh, inspiring something in you, man. <laughs> All right, last question here for Hot Mike, and then we'll go off the air here. Uh, Tyler asks, congrats on getting 1,000 downloads. Thank you very much. He says, which episode was your favorite episode to film or record, I guess? Also, what is the worst take on something you guys have had on the show, something that was objectively wrong or got proven wrong later on? So we'll start with the first one. Favorite episode of SBT Overtime?
1: Mm. For me, it would probably have to be episode one of Alternate Universe with you and Matt. I thought we had a really good conversation. I I thought that you being rational, Jake, was pretty funny. And I think that we had... Um, a lot of different opinions on there, and I think it worked the best.
2: Yeah, lots of radical stuff mm-hmm. on that episode of SBT Overtime. Do you have a favorite SBT OT, Marcus?
0: Uh, I'll say, I say the episode where me and Jeff like discussed the outcome of the 2018 championship games. I think that was pretty fun. It's alternate universe <laughs> three, you. I believe, right? <laughs> yep.
2: I'd say, my, man, I have so much. Part of me wants to say the first episode, because that was my first ever interview in my career with Solomon Renfro, the Black Dragon, Solomon Renfro. I'm incredibly grateful that he gave me that opportunity to interview him after his fight on Dana White's Contender Series. Part of me wants to say that, but I've really been enjoying doing the UFC episodes um, with Alex Henry up here. And I'd say probably my favorite one is the one we combined his interview with Josh Roller, Josh Rock and Roller, a local guy here, MMA fighter, with our UFC preview. That episode did really well, and I was just very impressed with ourselves almost after recording that episode. And then it, we'll answer that last question as well. Uh, what is the worst take we've had on the show? Jeff, I know yours.
1: What, when I said that Drew Locke was the future of the NFL for two years.
2: I mean, absolutely. Yeah. It has to be that one. That's pretty fair. No, yeah. Marcus, do you have a, a infamous worst take? Uh, I'll say...
0: Now, now think about it. Now I say like, what my dad always tell me: if you don't like the Steelers, you don't like football. Get out of here! <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Get my, out of, of here with that. Yeah, but really, honestly, truly, if you don't like the Packers, you
2: don't like oh, football. <laughs> wow, is it just gonna change every year? <laughs> just substitute the.
0: <laughs> honestly, true. I just seeing now the facts how overrated of a franchise the Steelers are compared to the other. Great football franchise like the Cowboys, the Niners, oh, and the Packers. Oh, don't put the Cowboys <laughs> in there. Come on now. You don't got to do that. Do I have
2: a worse take, guys?
1: That you're know. not a picky
2: eater? That's a pretty good I mean, one. Yeah, But sports takes, I don't know. I don't know. Uh hmm.
1: There's, there's got to be one.
2: I mean, MLB, I feel like I'm pretty solid on that. Basketball, maybe I said something silly. Um, oh, Baker Mayfield's a Hall of Famer. There did, we go. I, did I actually say that? I mean, I wouldn't you be You said it in a group
1: chat. I don't know if you said it on air, but you said well, it in group chat.
2: I think I was mostly joking, but I'll give it to you, I guess. I don't, I've said that he can be a top-ten quarterback when healthy. I, I still think that has time to prove itself. But, sure, if you, if you want to go with that one, go ahead and go with that one. Um, but I did predict the Warriors to win the NBA Finals last year, so I am proud of that. For my limited basketball knowledge, I did get that right, at least. All right, well... That will do it for the August 14th edition of Sports Power Talk. We talked about the NBA, including the latest within the Lakers and Nets organizations. Also, we got into some Browns news with the first preseason game and finished by talking about the Guardians, the AL Central, the Field of Dreams game. And, of course, by answering all of your questions in which was a very fun and entertaining second ever edition of Hot Mike. Any last thoughts on today's show, gentlemen?
1: Um, Heat culture is dumb. Shout out my Denver Broncos who beat the Cowboys 17-7 last night in their first preseason game. Broncos country, let's ride, and go Astros, baby. For the NBA,
0: watch out for the T-Wolves. For the NFL, watch out for the Saints. And for the MLB, watch
2: out for the Blue Jays. All right, for me, I think the Field of Dreams game is exactly what the MLB needs. Like I said, I think the MLB needs to make it a staple to their yearly schedule, and it's a shame that they won't return to the cornfields in Iowa next year. And lastly, the Guardians are currently the kings of the AL Central, so good luck to the guards. If you're craving more from us here at WZIP Sports and frankly, why wouldn't you want more? You can check out our two podcasts SBT Rewind and SBT Overtime on all platforms right now. Last week's fantasy football podcast went, did very well, got us to officially 1,000 downloads. So thank you all very much for the support. It truly means a lot to us here at WZIP Sports. Joining me on today's show we're
0: Jeff Longville. Marcus Anderson.
2: My name is Jake Murren. You already know we'll be back same time and place next week. Until then, be kind, and we'll see you next time for more Sports Power Talk.